Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, Brady Carducci, and today on the show, I have the pleasure of talking with a Toronto-based multifaceted creative. She's a YouTuber, photographer, producer. Uh, she kind of does it all. She's worked with brands such as uh, Adobe. Um, she is the graduate of the RTA School of Media at Ryerson University. Please welcome to the show, Lizzie Pierce. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Should do that formal handshake. There yes, you go. Yes, <laughs> nice to meet you. I heard Chris like ran up. Yeah, your we arm, did the whole like, like squirrel, squirrel thing. Yeah, interesting. It was, uh, it was yeah, really crazy. That but, sounds like Chris. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to sit down with you today. Just talk about how you built your brand. Uh, really dive into kind of how you got started in photography and kind of building your whole media empire. So I'm excited. Sure. Um, yeah, me but, too. Definitely. Um, but I have to start off with obviously COVID right now. We're living through a pandemic. Yep. So how have you been dealing with that? How have uh, things changed or kind of remain the same for you? Yeah, I think everyone went through like some ups and downs yeah. and then we sort of right now have leveled out a little bit. Mm -hmm. A little bit of our normalcy has come back. Um, when everything initially happened, um, we were evaluating, I think we were, everyone was kind of nervous about their livelihood. And, you of know, course. how is this going to affect our business, especially we travel so much for work. Mm -hmm. um, it was hard to say what the impact was going to be. And then slowly but surely, you know, you keep plugging on. We could come to our office, luckily, because it's a private office. Mm -hmm. And so we could, we were fortunate enough to keep working. Um, but then uh, work kind of became our everything because right. there was nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we found, we went from, you know, everyone like initially was just like at home making cocktails and doing nothing. Right, of course, yeah. And then, and eating lots of food. Yeah. And then we just went full force into working. Mm -hmm. And I think I tried to control my whole life. Right. Where I tried, I was like, okay, and now I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to exercise every day and I'm going to work and I'm going to start like eight new projects. Right. And micromanaging everything and then trying to, control something in a world where everything was out of control yeah yeah and that obviously didn't work either no yeah it's a and lot so to somehow in. yeah now we've just leveled out um we haven't really traveled at all yet okay um yeah but we're starting to talk about planning you know some group trips and the where we can go that it will be safe and we can quarantine and mm -hmm. you know when it makes sense to, to do so but yeah. yeah we're just taking it day by day right now but awesome. i think we've adjusted yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think even for myself, like even at first I was like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? Like this is yeah. so new and I was like kind of panicking, but now it's like you kind of like anything, like we adapt and you kind of just go in the flow yeah. and it just, it just works. Um, mentally though, like how are you, how are you mentally going from obviously like lockdown to all this to now being a little bit more free? Are you a little bit happier now? Like, are you kind of the same? Like, how is it mentally for you going through that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've always, and I mean, everyone has become more open now with their struggles with yeah, mental health, and I'm also one of those people. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely a lot, again, highs and lows. Mm -hmm. um, being so isolated from your friends and your family yeah. is hard, but also not knowing um, what the future holds, how long it's going, going to last, mm -hmm. um, takes a toll and makes it hard to, to do your work and to be a positive person yeah. online and on social media. Mm -hmm. And so trying to be, um, I tried to be as transparent about that as I could and be forgiving with myself, of course. Of course yeah. um, now it is frustrating because Chris and I, you know, we've mentally adjusted and we're feeling happier now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been in therapy for the last two years so that's mm -hmm. all something that I would recommend to anyone who okay. is still struggling but you know um, not 
being able to travel because that was so ingrained in our lifestyle mm-hmm. and and being in the same place for uh, when did this happen back in March like is yeah. it has it been six months I think, I don't even I think know. we're coming up on six months yeah, yeah like that that hasn't happened for us in years yeah and yeah. like it's been great because we've pretty much finished decorating our condo like all these little things are done but we're like man I want to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm ready to go. You feel like kind of like cooped up. Yeah, and we were we were okay with you know knowing that warmer weather was coming here, and then mm-hmm. I, I try to stick around in Toronto during the summer anyways. But yeah. um, knowing that winter is now coming, oh, don't remind me. Don't remind <laughs> me. We're getting a little scared. And we're like, okay, where where is it okay to go? Is it okay right. to travel? And we're we're really starting to investigate that a little bit more and what but of course like keeping in mind what's safe and realistic we're mm-hmm. not just gonna like on just a whim wherever, decide yeah. to go wherever 100%. um it'll be something we consider yeah. um but yeah we we really want to get out of here <laughs> yeah i feel you i'm yeah. in the same boat 100 so um I wanted to start off by just talking a little about your background because obviously, you know, most people know you from YouTube. You built a strong social following, mm-hmm. but um, you know, who was Lizzie Pierce before kind of YouTube and Instagram? Uh, who were you as a person? What were you into? And how did you step into this whole creative world? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I've always been a creative person ever since I was little. Okay. Um, but it started more. I mean, of course, when everyone's five, they want to be a singer they want to yeah. be famous or whatever it was mm-hmm. and like that is obviously not my goal now at all <laughs> um and as you grow up you kind of figure out okay what's realistic in terms of my lifestyle of um what am i going to enjoy doing um and originally i thought that was going to be music and okay. i play uh cello i play piano i sing wow. and so originally i thought i was going to go to university and and for music for music for right. cello okay and in that last year of high school um, my mom actually brought up the rta school media mm-hmm. and she said i think this might really suit you i always love tv i always love movies and i was like you know what that sounds good because yeah. <laughs> i was taking it. like a media production course and i'd always been interested in photography and i was like i i think i think this actually might be the right fit and okay. i really enjoyed video editing for little projects at school again mm-hmm. was not good yeah but you, you were still showing interest yeah exactly right. and i think um I think that's all you really need to do when you're that young. You, mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what job no I wanted. Knows, yeah. No, no one knows. Yeah. And it's just, you know, taking all those little things that like, I think I like this and that that sounds good. And I think I could find something in that field that I enjoy that will, you know, provide a good life for me. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, yeah, YouTube, not on the radar <laughs> not, at not all. Not even in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, not, not even close. Um, okay. And so went to university and I sort of realized, okay, I like photography, mm-hmm. I like shooting video, love editing, and I think I'm, I'm a really strong producer, director, writer. Like okay. that's where I felt, Your strength. that's my strength. Okay. And so I focused on that once I, I was freelancing in um, video and photo, and that was kind of after working my restaurant job during university, that was how I was making money. Okay. Um, and after graduating, I looked for a full-time job. And then right. I started as a production coordinator for a Toronto production company. They specialized in corporate video. Okay. And so by the time I left, I was a junior producer. And that's when I, I realized pretty quickly in that job that that wasn't working for me, mainly because mm. I've been pretty open about the fact that my 
boss drove me nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, I really liked the work, and you know, Chris was still freelancing, and we thought, you know, what we really want to do is run our own business. So why aren't we doing that? Exactly. Wait, it it just we're young. You know, what are we gonna do this in our mid thirties when a lot more is on the line? Exactly. No, we should do more it right responsibilities now. Responsibilities too, as well. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I quit that job. Actually, funny story, I got another offer to work at another production company, and that made me feel sick about the whole thing because I was right. like, is this a sign that this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> um, didn't end up taking that, and okay. Chris and I were really successful in our first year with our production company, mm -hmm. and we kind of took off from there. We started specializing in, it started out in corporate video production, but then we really, we really wanted to travel, and we were like, how can we make this into you know our dream job if we want to travel and work at the same time? we need to work for tourism boards mm. and so we started um, making all these kind of spec videos trying to make them go viral online okay. um, for you know places that were local for Toronto for Montreal and um, that kind of snowballed we started doing some work like that and it wasn't too long I think it was in after our, our second year of working together Chris met Peter oh wow okay yeah, yeah. and well he, he was always friendly with Peter and they kind of like rekindled their friendship Right. Chris started YouTube, and I'm fast-tracking this whole story. No, I know. I'm, trying to, I'm, keep, I'm, I'm just keeping notes. I'm yeah. keeping track. Chris started YouTube, and um, when as I was trying to support him and learn about this new like venture, field, yeah. venture that he yeah. was in, um, I found that there was a huge lack of females in the space, and I was kind of pissed because yeah. I'm like, where, What's going where are my on? girls at? Yeah, and this, exactly. You know, and I'm sitting here looking for people who are like me, crushing it on this platform but it's a boys club and so um not that that's a, a bad thing and not that they don't deserve it but it, there should be equal representation and so wondering you know why is that happening and mm. it's probably because if if you don't see someone who you can identify with already doing something it becomes that much harder for you to want to insert yourself into into that career or that hobby or whatever it is yeah because at the same time, you don't like, you know, you don't feel like, hey, you know what? I see someone similar, so I therefore can do it too. It's like, exactly. Uh, it's just a guy's thing, you know. Or exactly. Like that. It's like, well, am I going to be accepted? Do I fit in? Mm. Um, would they, you know, what do I have um, in common? Obviously, you know, your shared love of video and photos and that kind of thing. Of course. But you, um, it does. There is something to be said about having you know having a relationship like a, a friend who's a girl and a friend who's a guy mm -hmm. there are there are going to be some things that maybe you have more in common with the girl because you grew up in a similar body that's just kind of the way it is yeah, sometimes exactly. um and so i thought okay if that's what i want to see then i guess i'm going to have to do that mm -hmm. um, yeah, and be the example yourself and be the example myself not because i thought i was the best or the most qualified or um that I wanted the recognition or any, or right. that I wanted to be, you know, have millions of subscribers, <laughs> um, nothing like that. I mm -hmm. just thought, okay, well, I'm kind of, and honestly, it's a little bit of spite. It's like, I'm kind of annoyed that this isn't happening. Right. So just watch, you yeah. know? And so there was a little bit of like, you would say a chip on your shoulder then to yeah. really go out there and prove, hey, you know what? I can do it, it just as good, if not better than the, exactly. than the guys. Yeah. And, um, I think always keeping in mind that whole service attitude as well, that right. if I'm trying to, like the whole purpose of it is, yeah, I'm trying to prove something a little bit for myself, but at the same time, I want to influence another 
person or another girl to start whatever it is they want to start. If that's a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. if that's their creative business, if that's trying a new hobby, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and starting with that as, you know, your simple goal, if you can just influence that one person, mm-hmm. then it makes it all worth it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it has come so much further than I ever thought, to be honest, because I think, um, yeah, my original goal, I don't even, I think I just decided I was going to upload once a week right? And for just like a month and just see what happens. And okay. then it, it just, and I was like, well, I guess I'm not stopping. Right. So was it the necessary, like you and you were uploading once a week and then was it the response or was it the views? Like what, what, what was, uh, you know, uh, it, what was the reaction that you were getting to be like, okay, you know what, I'm onto something here. I'm, I'm connecting with, uh, you know, my, my, uh, the women audience that I'm speaking to. Yeah. Um, was it more so that, like just the connection, you had a lot of people reach out? I think I, part of it at first was you're not going to get a huge response with your first video or your first four or right. whatever it is. Yeah. I think it was, um, yeah, some of the comments were, they were a lot nicer than I thought. I think I expected okay. a lot of negative. Right, right. Negativity like, oh, like, what is she doing YouTube? on that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or just no matter what, I was just expecting more negativity online. Okay. And I think it was probably when, um, I don't know if you watch uh, Atola Visuals, Kitty Peters um, on YouTube. I, I don't, but I've, I've heard of her. Yeah, so I think it was probably when she reached out to me. I can't remember if it was on Instagram or on YouTube. And she was like, hey, I watch your stuff, and I think it's really good. And I watched her videos for so long, and right. I'm like, oh, my God, you she's like, reaching freak, out freak to out. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I fangirled a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I got – and then I was like, oh, people – like, she watched a video that I made. Right. So other people must be watching, and if she's excited about seeing another female on the platform, then, then that's you know it was just exciting. Yeah. And I think it. And after making those relationships, I think Kitty being the first one, mm-hmm. and then meeting Becky and Chris, and um, the friendships and the experiences that came out of it, um, not so much anything else really. It, that was just the most exciting part. And then obviously. Yeah, people did reach out to me along the way mm-hmm. and um, kind of gave you women, that encouragement and gave me some encouragement and right. they were excited to see um, another another creator or they liked my content and excited to see another female creator. Um, and so that obviously it, it felt good and I'm of going, course, OK, yeah. so I, I got that one person. But now what else can I do? Right. You know, there's so much more to be done. And I think that's um the purpose of the neon sign we have up in the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, remember why you started. And so we come into work just trying to remember why we began this whole thing in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's actually like, you know, it, just the placement of it too. Cause you think about it, you come, you come through the door. That's almost like, especially when it's lit, it's the first thing you, you see. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you know about like priming. So basically you, um, they do it in like psychology, but if you see something uh, enough times, it just goes right into your right. subconscious mind. And then you, you, you start to like, uh, see it more often. So for example, the number 50, if, if, you know, there was a 50 on this glass, right. Right. Then I would go outside and be like, oh, there's I see a 50 street sign or 50 yeah. address or something like that. So it's, it's kind of perfect just mentally getting getting your uh, your mind in that space when you see that sign. Yeah, like, definitely. I think know. in advertising, if you see something a certain amount of times, mm-hmm. then you finally remember it. I don't remember what. Yeah. And I, I think something to do with colors as well, like yeah. colors and emotions and all that. Yeah. too. That's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, no, I want to th- something earlier you said that that struck with me was about being accepted in the space because it's such it was such at the time it's such. 
it was such male dominated. Did you experience any, um, you know, you said you were getting uh, a lot of support, but in terms of the male community, did you feel that you were maybe not as accepted at first and then gradually as you brought your brand uh, up to this level it is now that they're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm more accepting of you. You know, I like what you're doing and I'm mm -hmm. willing to, to support it on my end type of thing. It's hard to tell. I don't know if there's right. a way that I can quantify that mm -hmm. um, to ever be certain. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of all I really know is the feedback that I get in terms of comments yeah. or From in your person. Audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I do receive a lot of positive comments, and my demographic, I believe at this point, is still 80% male. Okay. Um, and Again, I don't know why. We'd have mm -hmm. to go way back and, and see. Analyze, yeah. Analyze so many things. Um, but once in a while, yeah, I do get a comment that hurts because it's mm. nothing about what I said. Right. It's about the fact that I'm a woman presenting that information. Mm. And that makes somehow me less credible. Less qualified. Or, or less qualified like yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, or more sometimes more comments about yeah what I look like but I know that there are also men in the space who get lots of comments about what they like their hair looks stupid or yeah. whatever and I think people are always they're always going to be mean trolls on the internet yeah um but I think if you look at any field um whether it's on YouTube or whether it's in any occupation whatsoever mm -hmm. I think there there are stats to prove that there's a lot of work to be done of course for yeah women in general to be seen as you know equal players in the workforce yeah so i think it, it kind of goes without saying that yeah there's still more to be done but mm -hmm. we have come a long way at the same time <laughs> exactly no 100 yeah. it's true like i mean even the fact now that it's like some of the top even youtubers in your space are, are women now and they, yeah you know which is which is crazy to think yeah. about it because like five years ago if you were to say oh i'm going to be the top earning women on you uh, woman on youtube you'd you know you'd be like oh what are you, what are you talking about there's no one yeah. on youtube right which is which is crazy um but i want to bring it back to your audience because obviously you know youtube social you have a lot of a lot of young women young girls that look up to you so is there you know is there any pressure that you put on yourself to maybe like you know put out the proper content that are is really going to help them or just how do you how do you maintain like, connecting connecting with them while also making sure that you're putting out like positive messages and being like a i guess a positive role model in a way yeah uh i think i'm still working on what that line is too i think probably okay. um it is a little bit of it is a little bit confusing at times, yeah. especially when my dem when I'm looking at my demographic and I know it's 80% male and 20% female. Exactly. So does that mean I have to operate as 80% male and 20% female? I don't think so. No. But I also don't want to present any information that's going to turn someone off or make them feel like they can't identify with me. Mm -hmm. um, so and as a character or as a persona on a channel that I've created, it right. is a factor, right? Of in course how I present myself and likability and things like that. If you don't like someone, you're, you're not, not going to watch, watch them. Exactly, yeah. So it, it's something I think about, and I wish I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, you know, I think some people would say is a little bit sad that I have to go, okay, do it I, is, yeah. can I, can I be this feminine or can mm. I be this you're masculine? Almost, you're almost or? like, uh, cause it's like, it's your, yourself. You, you, you have to be yourself at the end of the day, right? And that's so, what it comes down to is yeah. if, if something feels authentic to me and mm -hmm. that's what I would say, or that's what I would do, then sometimes I just do it and I try not to think so much about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And same thing, you can look at like my YouTube backdrop versus Chris's mm -hmm. if you want. Um, they look different they because do. we're different. Of course. Um, and I don't think one inherently looks like, well, <laughs> if you want to say one's more feminine and more masculine than the other, like right. you might be able to. I have, do have more like plants and things mm -hmm. like that. But that's also me. Like that whole like greenery vibe, that's a style that I like. Right, and I don't right. think there's anything wrong with that. So um, I didn't want to make my YouTube backdrop like everybody else's on mm. YouTube. Yeah. Um, I wanted you to be able to turn it on and know it's mine. But at the same time, I've got camera things, photos, globes, lenses, you know, mm -hmm. things very, that are all that vibe. You. It's yeah. very me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be myself, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. But yeah, it, there is a little bit of pressure in, um, when you're talking about females who are watching me and, and is there is there more pressure I put on myself? Yeah. Sure, because I don't want anyone to look at me and then generalize my entire sex based on something I do or yeah. don't do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, if you take our Riker campaign, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you looked at it. Chris and I both had did a campaign with uh, Can-Am. And when we, even when we went to do the driving test right. and to learn how to drive them, okay. I felt this pressure. I'm like, I have to be good at it. Like you have to perform when I you're driving. I have to perform well. I can't give in to like the whole that, you know, the whole thing that I maybe, you know, Chris is going to be inherently better at this than me. Okay. okay. I not only have to be as good at him, but I have to be better. And that's right. maybe something I just do to myself. Yeah. And then sure enough, we did, um, and I, we were with Alan Palander actually oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was the three of us. Mm -hmm. And then we all did our driving test and I scored the best out of all three of us. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and like, maybe it's because I put that pressure and I'm like, I right. have to be good at this. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, I think a lot of that too is just believing that you, you can do a good job and then just being like, I have to do the best I can. And that's mm -hmm. all. Are you otherwise I, you'll kill yourself trying <laughs> yeah exactly I'm wondering yeah. if that like does that do you feel that 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 you're you're like that in terms of like um, uh, other aspects because I feel like even for me even when it's something simple as okay we'll take riding a bike for example yeah it's like I put so much pressure on myself to be like oh you know because people are watching it's like oh I gotta I gotta perform it well I gotta do a good job so yeah so-and-so is not gonna be able to take a jab at me afterwards yeah. and be like oh like why did you like you, you fell like straight on your face like ha, yeah. ha, type of thing so do you feel that um, that's where that kind of like I guess like pressure comes from is like making sure that no one else can say anything uh, I think so after yeah worry worrying about being criticized for it later yeah, yeah. I, I think so and um, probably I mean my dad was always really tough on me and okay. he was always the kind of person that was like you don't try you just you do it right there's no trying it's like you <laughs> either no do trying. it or you don't you do it or you don't okay. and don't not do it you're gonna do it yeah and there is no other option yeah and so um growing up that way is really affects how your brain works of course. Yeah, <laughs> and how 100%. you treat every problem mm -hmm. um that you come across but i think um yeah I'm, I'm always just trying to like if if there's any opportunity where there is a comparison, mm -hmm. yeah, it probably plays a little bit of a mind game with me, and I'm like, I have to be good at this now. Yeah, I have to be the best, <laughs> or like I have to be as good as I can. I and I think a lot of people on YouTube are probably like that too. Of course, there's and in other other professions comparison. too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, in, strictly in terms of uh, you know your audience and other female creatives as well, I know you you, you did do one uh, spoke about one tip about just being yourself. Being authentic but for our audience like if there's any uh, women creatives right now who want to you know get even getting started on YouTube take it to the next level what are maybe a few tips that you could just share from your experience that that really help in terms of um, you know uh, making their content resonate with people 
In making, well, first of all, in, in getting over the hump of starting anything, yeah. um, I think that, and based on what I've read in my own experience, what women tend to do most often is we overthink and we feel like we have to be 90% qualified to do something before we actually go ahead and do it. Right, right. Um, and that isn't really the right approach at all. You, It is okay to start and to figure it out as you go along and it is okay not to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a whole, you know, perfectionist mind game I think that happens when when starting anything especially something that's so public of course that yeah. everyone can watch you fail at and go back and watch it too. and go back yeah. yeah and then watch your first one yeah people can go watch my early videos and like mm-hmm. it's still there um <laughs> it sucks for me but it's still there and like and you just have to you just have to not care at a yeah. certain and point. accept that as well and accept that as well mm-hmm. um in terms of differentiating your content it's it's hard not it's hard to not want to conform and see, oh, okay, everyone's doing lens reviews right. a certain way, sitting down, holding it, you know, the, the format mm-hmm. um, and even the topic itself. I think it, it's hard not to want to do the same thing and then be like, oh, okay, how can I do that topic a little bit better? You right. can take that approach. But what I believe that YouTube needs more of, and if I could start a channel over from the top, mm-hmm. is something completely different and something that you love right from the get-go okay. and something that maybe you're presenting differently than everyone else is. Like go in with a completely new subject, with a completely new format, something super niche mm-hmm. and crazy, and you're gonna think, oh my God, who's gonna watch this? Because it's so weird and there's nothing else like this. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly it. There's nothing else like it. Yeah, which will make you stand out even more. Which will make you stand out. And there's nothing wrong. Whatever the worst case scenario doesn't do well, mm-hmm. or nobody likes it, and you can start another one. Like it doesn't. Life's long. Yeah. You know, you you only get to a certain point in your. You only get to a successful point in your life exactly. by making a whole bunch of mistakes and trying and failing over again mm-hmm. and learning from those mistakes. And I think the same thing comes from like taking a risk and doing something differently. And that's something that I wish I knew earlier on because mm-hmm. I felt so much pressure to okay, I have to make something that performs well and and. Right. Maybe that's how I I did grow pretty quickly. Um, but now I wish, oh man, I, I think I could have taken more risks then and maybe now I would have I would have gone a bit further or had a few things that I, I feel are more uniquely me in terms of my content. But mm-hmm. that's something I'm working on now. Right. And then figuring it out, okay, how do I not get so influenced by what performs well and what everyone else is doing and what can I do that's just so outside the box um so yeah just be be yourself and don't be afraid to be different okay that actually segues perfectly no (laughs) (laughs) um because i i feel like uh with your channel as well as with chris's obviously you guys have the creative aspect but there's a very uh noticeable business element to it yeah so um which which is great because it you know uh, a lot of the time even for myself i'll just youtube like how to do this or what to charge for that and it just uh, it helps just with understanding so uh, a lot of young creatives even uh, ourselves or myself as well we struggle with uh, the question of okay how much should i charge my services or like what is my time and my and my skill set worth so for for the you know the women out there, the males out there, the whole YouTube universe and the creatives in general, um, you know, what advice from your experience would you give them in terms of accurately like being like, hey, you know what, this is what I charge because of X, Y, and Z, and it's somewhat justifiable uh, in a sense. 
Uh, I just want to make sure I understand your question. Yeah. So in terms of pricing? Like like, like pricing, because I, like at least the creatives in our community that we've talked to, it's like a lot of them are on YouTube, but they also have side businesses when it comes to either freelance or, create, or they have their own creative agency. Yeah. And they're struggling with... Um, you know, how do I just like to a client? How do I justify my skill set skill set uh, in terms saying. of in terms of price? Right. Um, and so I just wanted from your experience because you have experience with your right. agency and doing that. So do you have any advice in terms of, uh, you know, that sense? Right. Um, I think when it it is hard yeah. to approach a client, especially who doesn't have a lot of experience in hiring a creative mm. um to go to approach them with a certain price point that may yeah. just right off the bat confuse them entirely and mm -hmm. i think people run into that a lot with weddings oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that's that would be my perfect example because you're taking two people who have never hired a photographer or videographer and now they have to probably pay for like one of the most expensive like creative um projects on in the their most life. important day of on their the life most important too. day of their life and there's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. um what you, what I would suggest, and I think made a big difference in my business with Chris, is your there, there's an education side of okay. what you do that I I think a lot of creatives kind of dismiss. They think I should just be able to send an estimate and they should just accept it. Right and like, away. why don't they get it? Yeah. And um, obviously, my work is fantastic. Like, how could they ever say that it's not worth that? Right. Because these people don't understand what goes into that process. They've right. never done it. Mm -hmm. So part of that sending, you know, you're producing that quote and sending that estimate mm -hmm. is not just doing your due diligence, due, due diligence to make sure you're not pulling numbers straight out of the air that of don't make any sense. Yeah. You have to have some kind of formula involved and that's like what Chris and I are trying to educate people on. Mm -hmm. um, a formula involved. Like you should have a rate sheet in your pricing built into a budget. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that's clear in your paperwork that you're giving to your client, what's included, um, how many days, how many revisions. Um, in that video, you know, what gear are you using? What are mm -hmm. you bringing out on set? Um, what do you need insurance? Um, because obviously that should also go into your budget. Yeah. Um, color correction. And if they have any questions, then don't be afraid to explain it to them or mm -hmm. and don't be offended that you have to explain it to them exactly, either, yeah. because they've never they have no idea mm -hmm. and when you lay everything out like that and you itemize it that way it looks like a lot of stuff and for someone who's never done this before even just reading all of those things they go wow it looks like they're doing a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know you and even a out. surface level approach it looks like that's a lot of stuff that they're doing for me wow mm -hmm. that cost must make sense mm -hmm. and if they don't understand then maybe you need to break it up further and and tell them you know it just don't forget Trial about the and error, like experiment yeah don't yeah. forget that you have to kind of give them a bit of background as to why things cost that way mm -hmm. but it is an ongoing struggle for creatives i think to to and and to be able to provide a living for themselves when their clients don't understand why things cost the way they, the, yeah, the the, way that they cost yeah and the the background of that is the background of having you know a successful business and having great work is all of the time you spent learning that craft and now it only takes you five minutes to edit that photo or whatever it is right. and you can do it pretty quickly because you build presets but there's all of this stuff in the background gear you've invested in, time you spent learning it, practice, and now you just have this intuition to take a great photo, mm -hmm. charge for that. Yeah. That's important to, to factor in and that's why um, 
if you take a very niche artistic style of photography or you have whatever your thing is, that's why it, it costs that much because they're paying for the convenience of you being great at your job. Yeah, being able to like look at that angle, look at that and be like, oh, I think it looks good, shoot it that way. And yeah. it's like done in two seconds. Yeah, it takes two seconds, but mm -hmm. that's because you've honed your craft and you're, you know, if, if you look at um, an artist, for example, an artist in terms of like, say, a, a like painter, a painter. Okay. A painter okay. You would never look at that and say, wow, did you just learn how to do that right now? Yeah, exactly. How amazing for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it's frustrating because that's sometimes how people look at photography. They think, oh, if you have an expensive camera, you must be great photographer. You automatically know how to use yeah. it. Yeah. One question, someone asked me when I told them I was a photographer once, they said, how many cameras do you have? Oh, really? And I was like, does that matter? <laughs> yeah, do I how gotta many, have like 16 cameras? Do I cameras? have to have like 20 cameras to yeah. be a photographer? That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And so people have this, it just shows that they have this warped understanding of like what makes you good at your job. And exactly. so you kind of, you just have to be okay with explaining it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. And I can relate to that as well because we've pretty much gone through the same thing as well with our, our creative agency. So it, uh, yeah. it resonates, you know? Yeah. Definitely. When you <laughs> it's said, frustrating. Yeah, definitely a lot of trial and error, a lot of like, oh, why did we do that? You know, yeah. but it's it's worth it in the end, 100%. Yeah. Um, so also another thing that relates to, because, uh, you know, your creative agency, I want to spend a little bit more time on that. Have you found that, you know, building your personal brand on YouTube, uh, Chris as well, because he's involved, yeah. has that helped you guys uh, now with your company uh, in terms of getting clients or just walking into a room and people respecting you like that because of, of the personal brand that you guys have built? I think that was definitely our approach on YouTube initially was okay. we thought, okay, that's our differentiators. Yeah. We have this you know this business and it's it's successful and I feel mm -hmm. like everyone on YouTube is like it's trying to get this so let's give them the business side of that it's like okay you're taking great photos or you're shooting great video um, and you have some clients let's show you how to build a company and how to um, make a make a living and expand your business and mm -hmm. help you make more money you know exactly. um, and here are a few easy things that you can implement by by doing that um, Sorry, what was the first part of your question? No, the first part was like, um, you know, have you found that, uh, you know, building your personal brand has helped you get clients oh, or yeah. just be more respected when right. you go into these rooms? I think, yeah, when we when we originally started, I don't think we, we saw how much the two were going to end up coinciding. I yeah. think we thought, okay, we'll take our info from the creative business and we'll feed it into YouTube. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever thought that they would, YouTube would end up um, providing a lot of opportunities for different styles of clients. Okay. Um, and so now our our business that was primarily corporate video is now primarily travel. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now it's pretty much exclusively um, tourism. Tourism and travel. Tourism travel and travel, yeah. And um, and during COVID, I think that's why we, we did that took okay. A, a, yeah, yeah we, we did okay because of the YouTube side of things mm -hmm. um, and because we expanded our business. Um, but the, yeah, if, if we just had know-how during right. COVID, things would have been, yeah, More very stressful. different. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that something that you would recommend then as someone who has a creative agency uh, try to build their personal brand? Or do you think that, you know, the success that you guys have achieved, that's just attainable by just doing the creative agency or just doing the, the YouTube uh, sides of the equation? I would say if you're a creative, just expand. Yeah. I would have your hands in a lot of different pots. What's the expression? I don't yeah. know. But um, I would, um, yeah, in terms of your clients, in terms of the style of work you do, mm -hmm. if 
Um, if you are in tourism, you'll find that you're usually traveling in spring or winter, or sorry, spring, summer, mm -hmm. and then winter. Not really going anywhere in the fall very often because, I don't know, no one really seems to want to feature fall. It's only yeah. like the two times a year that everyone seems to want you to travel. But what are you doing in the spring and what are you doing in the fall? Mm -hmm. um, you could be shooting cars. You could have, you know, you want to diversify your, your clients and your income. So whether there's a certain amount of time you can be on set and there's a finite amount of time that you can be on set. So what are some passive ways that you can generate income? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what we've done with a lot of our digital products and presets and things mm -hmm. like that. And we're working on developing courses and um, scaling our business in ways that we wouldn't be able to because I can only be in so many places yeah. at one and time. And you can only do so many things at You the can same only time do well. so many things. Um, and especially if COVID's taught us anything is that you need to have a backup plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's one positive yeah. thing that's come out of COVID because it's like, even for us now, you see a lot of people trying to go the e-commerce route, the more, um, you know, shopping online type of thing and just yeah. quick quick things where it doesn't require like uh well they're still service based but it's not like oh i have to be at this location have to set everything up yeah i have to be more in contact with people in order yeah. to get paid at the end of the day definitely yeah. and i think when covid was happening there was this big misconception is that oh all money has stopped moving right and now you cannot sell anything mm -hmm. but did we not notice how many things went on sale because of covid and you know what happened people bought stuff exactly yeah including presets, including mm -hmm. whatever clothing, or it was kind of like, oh, we're recognizing that things are hard, but here, let me give it to you at a discount. So people kept spending money. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of businesses shifted the way that they operate because of that. And now they're like, I think it's David's Tea is primarily David's like tea, yeah. online. And then I think it's sold in like a few grocery stores now. Mm -hmm. um, you can change the way that your business operates to account for all of those things. So um, it's not really having like a rainy day plan or a rainy day fund. It's yeah. kind of like if you want to, it's scaling and diversifying what you do. Um, and part of that is, yeah, definitely make sure you have an online portion of your business in some way would be my biggest advice because phys again, ph like we mentioned, physically you can only be in so many places at one time. Mm -hmm. And with physical products, you can you have to have a warehouse you have to store them there's there's fulfillment all these other costs that you have to factor in mm -hmm. but what else can you sell that is yeah maybe it's a physical product or maybe it's information mm -hmm. um maybe it's teaching someone something that they didn't have before um how can you expand yeah, yeah. and at the same time i feel like uh, especially with this pandemic um it's really it's challenged a lot of people to get creative, get um, you know kind of think outside the box because it's like we're thrown into this situation where it's like okay we can't operate how we've normally been operated, so it kind of throws that curveball. It's like okay now it's time for us to adapt and kind of uh, level up in a new way, right? So yeah. Has there been anything um, either on the business end or the creative end that this pandemic has kind of taught you, or you've realized about yourself? Like it was all it was always in you, uh, but uh, you maybe this was a time that it got brought out. I think when we, I keep starting my answers with I think, I just noticed, I'm like, I think that um, we were on such a roll before all of this happened and we'd just gone on like three really big trips. We right, did, yeah. we did this huge trip in like late August, September um, through Germany and through Europe. And then in November we went to the Philippines and then in January we were like, in Canada, it's like in Manitoba, and we also went to Switzerland, and like 
we were just on a high. I think we we're like, life's so great, everything's mm -hmm. happening. Look, and then we got our cat Luna, and we're oh. like, everything's fantastic, <laughs> you know. And like financially, we're doing great. And then everything, when everything comes back to the tiny world that is your home and your apartment, mm -hmm. you're reevaluating everything. Yeah, and especially what really matters. And I think we found out that it's who you're with for sure. And um, the, the simple things, but uh, at the same time, it, when you're working so much and especially Chris and I have had so much growth in our businesses, financially, you get really excited by what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then when certain things like all of our travel was kind of cut out of our finances, obviously we're still fine, but you kind of yeah. realize, okay, what is the amount of money that I actually need here and mm. what's going to make me happy to yeah. live out the rest of my life? What do I actually need? And I think I read a article recently that once you, I think it's when you surpass like $75,000 or something. I think I read the exact same article. Yeah, I think it's Harvard or something. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you surpass $75,000, like your happiness doesn't really increase. No, because on. it's like financially, like all your needs have been met. So once, yeah. so just biologically, once your needs have been met based on like the hierarchy of needs and all that, yeah. it's it, everything else is just like extra and quote unquote like unnecessary if you want to put the word to exactly. it. Exactly. You know? So when you're faced with, okay, I don't know what is going to happen this year, mm -hmm. especially financially, but what what am I going to feel like if I don't make the same amount of money as I did last year? Yeah. And how is that going to affect my life? And like, will I still be happy? What if I can't travel at all this year? That was such a big part of my life. Will I still be happy? Mm. And like asking yourself those questions and what is it I truly need? And so I ended up making a short film about it because I started to like get so absorbed and like, oh my God. But so if I don't have all these things that I thought were making my life great, Mm -hmm. And I mean, every money is obviously on that hierarchy of needs. Of course. Will I still be okay? You know? Um, and obviously the, the answer is yes when you come back to it. You only need, like, we found so much joy. Like, we were so lucky we got our cat when we did. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, we had our little, like, quarantine kitten. And, like, seeing her, like, go from this little tiny, like, scrawny, For runty long, thing. Yeah. yeah, into, like, now she's a teenager sitting over there snoozing. Aww. But... Yeah, she's been like so fun and like honestly reminds us just to stop working and just to like play and Yeah. Just yeah. reminds you of more of like the things that are important in life and just you know, exactly. slow down and all that. Yeah. Awesome. Um you, uh now I guess next one I wanna ask you is there's I feel like for everybody uh, whether it be their significant other, their parents, they always have someone or a group of people that, um, you know, inspires them or is just there for them, supports them. So uh, who are the, who's that person or those people in your life that, you know, when you're going through a tough time or, you know, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, those people or that person is going to be there for you and supports mm -hmm. you. And then what do they mean to you just on an emotional level? Yeah. Um, obviously, Chris is going to be my first one. Of course. Yeah. Because he's probably the only person that he sees me every single day we mm -hmm. work together we live together we run businesses coinciding yeah. with each other and together um so he gets it 100 mm percent. -hmm. and so when i need to confess something that no one else would understand and like 90 percent of my problems are usually about work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when i when i want to come to him and say oh i'm so overwhelmed about this and i don't know what to do he's mm -hmm. always really good at making me feel better or helping me overcome it, which is normally what I want. Like, yeah. I'm not the type of person that wants to be, like, consoled very often. Okay, okay. I'm more like, okay, how do I... How, how do, do I fix I, this? How do I fix this, mm. beat it, do better? Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, just get through it. Yeah. And um, he's been 
yeah, great. I don't know what I would do without him. And mm -hmm. I think we rely on each other so much in our lives and in our businesses that we both like can't even, our offices together, like I can't even fathom what we would do. Um, and my mom is obviously great at distracting me when I just mm -hmm. don't want to break. I need a break yeah. and I just want to get away and like I'll, I'll go to her house or go to the cottage or when I'm sick or something, mm -hmm. I go to her. Um, another really great community has been my certain friends I've made through YouTube okay. and because we can kind of understand each other and what we're going through. And uh, Becky from Becky and Chris yeah, yeah. and Is Harris. Mm -hmm. We had, actually we haven't done one in a while, but we did these like masterminds where we would get together um, once a month and we would talk about certain things that are going on in our business or in our personal lives okay. and we could just vent. And then the other two would have the opportunity to give us feedback or input. I or, like that, that's cool. It was really, really nice. Yeah. And yeah, we, we kind of fell off it. Like we were really good at doing them during COVID and then now things got busy It got again. crazy, everything's yeah. kind of opening up. Yeah, but yeah. it's so, so helpful to have um, to have a group of friends outside, I think, of like, your family or your significant other that you can go to mm -hmm. that are removed from your home situation. Exactly. Um, because one thing that Chris and I, I guess, suffer from is like we obviously get compared a lot. Of and that's yeah. hard to talk about to the other one mm -hmm. when um, if someone saw something like a photo that Chris did that and they like his more than mine right. or when we were at Buffer and I won an award for my film but his didn't, yeah. you know, those are things that are hard to talk about with each other but I can always go to like my, my YouTube friends YouTube who get friends. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, so for the people out there who want to check out more of your content, they want to get connected with you, just follow your journey um, you know, as you continue to progress. Where's the best place for them to check you out at? Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. It's just my name, Lizzie Pierce, but it's P-E-I-R-C-E. -E. Ah, there we go. <laughs> it's a hard Unconventional spelling. way. Unconventional way, I yeah. I like it. But if you just Google it, you'll find it, yeah. Okay, and guys, we'll make sure to leave all the links and stuff uh, for that in the description box. You guys, uh, easy access to all that information. So I wanted to end off here with a little rapid fire oh, question yeah, game, if you're these. cool. Uh, yeah, I sent that out to you. So uh, you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, so I know you're known to do a lot of voiceovers in your video, uh, in your videos. If you had to choose one person to do your voiceovers for the rest of your career, who would you choose? Hmm, that's so hard. Oh my God, I'm trying to think of someone who I feel like has an epic voice. Um, I feel like Oprah has an epic voice. She does. Or like a recognizable voice. Yeah, oh, can I, I can pick anyone, right? You can pick anyone. Dua Lipa. Oh, Dua Lipa, okay, Dua interesting. Lipa. Are you a fan of her as well? I am. Okay. Her talking voice and her singing voice, all of her voices. Yeah, it's so like majestic. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so what's your favorite part about making YouTube videos? Posting. Posting, okay. <laughs> when it's done. <laughs> and the stress <laughs> is like, gone. it's over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so second last one, do you prefer shooting photo or video more or are you like both equally? Probably photos. Photos? Yeah. Okay. Is there a reason why? I I don't know. There's something really cathartic about editing mm. and then being able to frame it and then put it up on your wall in your home. Yeah, yeah. I and see it as that. you walk by. And yeah. see it when you walk by. It okay. just feels very official. Mm. Um, yeah, photos. Okay. Um, last one. So what actress would you want to play yourself in either a movie or a television show if you could pick? Who I would want to play me? Yeah. Oh, Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Jennifer, okay, okay, She's I could see that. I yeah, like yeah, her. yeah. And especially when I think for a couple of movies she dyed her hair blonde. I could see kind yeah, of like she, she would, was blonde. Yeah. Yeah, she'd yeah. work well. 
Awesome. Well, uh, Lizzie, thank you for coming on the show. I Thanks really appreciate it. Me. Guys uh, at home, thank you for tuning in. Like I said before, make sure to leave Lizzie's social links in the description box below, uh, as, long as, uh, as well as our own as well. Um, and yeah, thank you guys, and we'll catch you guys soon. Awesome. Thank you. Everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, gotta, <laughs> we can do the double five. There you go. Yeah. <laughs>